What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that support the show, and we want you to support them as well. Go over to Dutik Brand, dutikbrand.com. I don't know if you saw the Twitter of theirs this past weekend, Nick, but uh, they got this really awesome from the ground view shot of your boy uh, using one of the, the recent member gifts. Uh, Dude, with and the, you had like a real smooth, like polo, like a uh, face mask on with Brescia. I mean, it was. The picture was good. It was a very good picture. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Sager for uh, for that was his idea to to go from low down uh, to to get the the, the footage. Uh, go to their website, dutikbrand.com. Use the promo code Soccer Chat. Get yourself a sweet discount, and you can see all the great things that we're talking about. Um, you know, I just actually randomly found a um, a DLX uh, in my uh, in my closet. And I was like, whoa, like I need another one of these. There we go. Uh, so go on there, check it out. They've got great items for coaching accessories. Also some great um, clothing items as well. And a, and a fantastic beanie, uh, which you can get over at dutikbrand.com. Go to torrx.com. Go check out Torx, the Torx ball pump. It's the greatest ball pump you'll ever see in your life. Make sure to, uh, when you grab one, get on Amazon, leave them a five-star rating and review and make sure to let them know that you heard about it on soccer chat i know scott wilson uh, our good friend from the show uh, one of our earlier episodes just recently got two for his new high school team and he is so excited uh, they just started training this week and i know that uh, his team really enjoyed using his new torex ball pumps also we want to shout everyone out who's been participating in soccer chat you can chat every single wednesday night at 9 30 p.m eastern time and just follow the hashtag soccer chat on twitter you can get involved in the Q1A1, connecting coaches, not just in America, but all around the world as we discuss the current events and topics that are going on uh, with questions submitted by you, those who are participating in the chat. This is a listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. Listen to this very episode right now. The best way you can help us out is hit that subscribe button and share the links out every single week with all your friends. Let them know that you're listening. Let them know what you like. And that way, we can let everybody know that Soccer Chat is continuing to grow and as we've said before if you want to get nick a wedding gift just shoot us a nice rating on the apple podcast uh make sure to put on there that that is nick's wedding present that you have left a five-star rating because he's a five-star guy that's right i said it he's a five-star guy uh and you want to leave him a wedding present of getting him a nice rating and review on apple podcast he's nick i'm sean and you know most of heat for things i say but, ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't have picked a better night to record this because one Nick Rizzo got hot tonight. And we're not going to mention any names, but he's got heat with somebody. And, Nick, I'm, I, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. And, and, again, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. I'm not a big fan of doxing people. So, again, we're not going to be the the people that call out specific names and things like that. But I – I mean, as anyone knows from today, Division Two and Division Three canceled fall championships with no plans for the spring. Um, and that is the reality of what this year is going to look like for us. And I don't think any I, – I shouldn't say any, but I, none of us were really that surprised by it. I think that it was going to be a very difficult task for the NCAA. And they, if we're being brutally honest, they haven't shown a ton of uh, resourcefulness or leadership over the last – little bit they've uh as i keep seeing tweets get put around they just kind of keep kicking the can uh, along and and so 
I saw a tweet. I wasn't the first one. Someone had posted a tweet in a group that ran about a coach from an AI school who are still planning on playing and good for them. I, I don't think it was NAI. I think it was the NCCAA. NCCAA. All right. Yeah. No, sorry. didn't mean to. NAI gang. Me. I'm standing up for y'all. Yeah, no, what, dude, what? For sure. I, I, yeah, and I want to be incorrect when I say this, um, that what sent out a tweet is literally within an hour or two of these two leagues canceling saying, Hey, if, uh, if you don't want to play your, your season for high fives and pats on the back, then you can come here and here's my email address. And it's like, as much as all of our kids are struggling right now, and as much as all of us are even struggling right now as coaches to try to go about poaching kids like that just seems irresponsible because at the end of the day, most of us coaches, yeah, we're in it for doing well. Like we want to be successful and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're trying to, develop human beings and student athletes to be the best people possible by the time they leave. And so if our season gets canceled like this, it doesn't mean that our job and our responsibility as coaches is any less. We're still going to work with them and engage them and make a, make their experience as good as it can possibly be with these incredibly strange circumstances. And so for a person to try to go about, poaching kids for his or her personal gain in that particular moment within hours of so many people going through a a really tough time is just, it's terrible. I mean, it's not, it's not a good look at all. I I, I felt, I I know I, I very rarely get, and you know this, I very rarely get in conflictual things on Twitter. And it was just one of those moments where I felt it was important to speak out and, and ultimately that person ended up deleting the tweet, which is probably a good move on that person's part because it was not a good look for them at all. And I think, again, I, and even in my tweet, I said that might help in a year and that might help for two years. But at the end of the day, if you are conducting yourself and your program like that, line, I've never seen a person who was good long-term who conducted themselves that way. You know, like you go, you might be successful for a year or two, maybe even three, but if you want to have a career in this, conducting yourself in that way is not going to be the way to go. Yeah, and it's kind of – we had talked a little bit before recording. I mean, yes, with all the stuff that's going on, you know, there's a way to, to do that. There's a way to say, you know, hey, if, if your school's not playing, maybe your school's closed. Um, you know, maybe you're a, um, a player who's going to graduate in December and your season has been moved to the spring. You know, yep. there's ways to – to go about that and, and to get that message out there, but to still the, the phrase, which I think is going to be Nick's new Twitter phrase, because I feel like you've used this <laughs> so much in the last like four weeks. And I absolutely love it. Um, you know, that ain't the look or, <laughs> or this ain't the look, something like that. Yeah. Um, which I think just need, I think it needs to be like, that should be your, your new hashtag kind of like Rex Chapman is um, uh, charger block uh, or blocker charge, whichever one is yours needs to be hashtag. This ain't the look. This ain't the look. No, because, I mean, it's true. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, what, the first thing we talked about, it would have been a, a while ago with the Black Lives Matter movement with, uh, I forget the exact tweet, but it was it was a very poor, poorly worded phrase that was, again, just not not the right look for a person. And so, I, again, I, I, I just, I saw this thing today, and I, I don't even remember who was the first. You might have been the first person that posted it in the group that we were in. And I just remember looking at that and be like, God, like, you, it, there is a way 
it, the, I, I wish sometimes we had more on, I mean, baseball is a very, is a league with a lot of unwritten rules and that people follow to the death. And I, I sometimes wish that as a soccer coaching community, we followed some of these rules because it, at the end of the day, it should be for the players. And like you said, maybe there are extenuating circumstances where a person wants to graduate in three and a half years and they want to complete their degree by December and they want to play a senior year of soccer, you know, that's fine. And even if there are players that, you know, maybe you want to take the option of going to a Juco or something like that during these times, those it's a very viable and understandable option to do it within two hours of NCAA division two and NCAA division three, like canceling their fall seasons is not the look. Yeah. And speaking of, of the look, um, soon as we popped on, Nick was like, holy crap, look at your hair. Um, you know, some people, some people have seen, uh, my wife posted the man bun picture recently. Um, but you don't really get a good vibe of like how long it really is. And I was telling Nick and I, I'll probably catch heat for this, but, um, I, I had gotten up this morning and was brushing my hair and people were like, Oh my God, this is a soccer coaching podcast. And we're talking about Sean's hair, but, um, and, and I was going to text her about this, but I didn't. I feel like I'm going to have to now with this, this episode. But um, I feel like with my hair at the length that's at, maybe if I could get it just a little bit longer, I feel like I can pull off at least four or five of Becky Burley's mugshots from her uh, bios uh, at Florida. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's something we at least need to try. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, I, you know, I know there's like the 10 day challenges. So I think I need to come up with, I need to find like the five, I think I can pull off um, and then, you know, go for it. I, uh, I mean, we've seen her as a youth soccer coach at, at convention. She had that picture that we were walking around with for a little bit. So mm-hmm. we have at least, I mean, Becky, Becky's a legend. She's been around for a very long time. We have, we have probably quite a few mug shots that we can make sure that this, this happens at some point. Yeah. And the crazy part, I mean, this isn't even a, somebody said at uh, camp this past weekend, like, this is like your hair super long. Like this is not even the longest my hair has ever been. Um, I've seen but, pictures. You rocked a very good haircut. You and me had very similar lengths of hair in college. Yeah. I would say mine was probably a little bit bigger. Um, probably because like, I feel like if you like, cause yours also curls a little bit more. I feel like if you straighten yours, it's significantly longer. Than oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've got, there's like a lot of pictures where my hair was at its longest, but because like it was dark outside and it's like a black sky, like you can't really see unless you like turn your brightness all the way up. Like you can actually get like a good vibe um, of it. But you know, I, I actually, you know, we had talked a couple weekends or actually last weekend, um, no, two weekends ago, um, about our experience at a, uh, a showcase, um, in, uh, in the Chicagoland area. Uh, we went back there to the same location, uh, for a camp, which, um, you know, I know I, I brag on this, this company a lot, but you know, exact sports knocked it out of the park. Um, I felt comfortable the entire time. The players felt comfortable the entire time. Um, you know, we were, everybody had their mask on, uh, you know, there were no parents involved until, you know, like there were some youth league games going on, um, which caused like some of the parents to, to come around the fields. Um, but they stayed pretty good distance away uh, from everybody. So uh, kudos to exact, uh, you know, they set their guidelines, uh, they stuck by it. Uh, and it was uh, it was a good 
um, get back to recruiting um, moment, I think, for a lot of us, because there was a good amount of us who were at the, uh, the aforementioned um, showcase a couple weeks before um, that we all felt uncomfortable, but, you know, we all really uh, felt pretty good. Uh, while we were there for a couple of days and, and Nick was able to come out for uh, an afternoon, you know, you win conference, uh, you win your conference championship, go to the national tournament for the first time and you can just show up to camp at one o'clock when it starts at seven. Um, but you know, those are all, th- that, those are goals that we as coaches have, you know, I, the, 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 the three people who in my time with exact who, have, who just show up whatever they want is Riley Butler from Pitt, Joe Sager and Nick Rizzo. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, like none of the conference stuff, but yeah, no, I definitely show up when, when I know. But Simon, <laughs> Simon and them did such a good job. I mean, I and I even told them that after, like, as I was leaving, because they, I, I've never felt as safe in the past few months at a soccer function as I felt there. Um, just with the way, I mean, every coach was wearing a mask the whole time, every, like, and the players obviously like at when they were competing, weren't wearing masks, but at every point where they were not competing, not on the field, they were wearing a mask. And it just, it was one of those, like, again, there's, I don't think there is a perfect way to solve this situation, but I think there are very good precautions that we can take to make sure that it's something that we can do a good job with. And, I mean, again, comparatively to anything any of us have been to over the last like few weeks, it was easily the most safe environment for players and coaches for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, is it safe to say that the boycott is over for you? <laughs> I know it. It was so funny. So, I was talking to Simon when I first got there. He was like, "Oh, you're you're Nick Rizzo." And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, I've, "I've heard about you." I was like, "Oh God, I hope I hope it's good things." Like, I, I, I don't know. We've never met before. So he was, he, me and Simon had a very, very good conversation. He's an awesome, awesome human being for sure. He absolutely is. He absolutely is. Uh, and, and that was the big question that uh, the little birdies were all chatting at me uh, that morning uh, before you got there. They're like, so is the, is the boycott over? Like, is he going to actually show up? And then like, cause we didn't know you were just going to be there in the afternoon. And we were like, well, you know, it's 10 o'clock now. We start three hours ago. If he's not here now, then he's probably not showing up. And then when you, when you showed up, we were just like, oh the boycott is over, but the observation time slots are very specific. So like I, I had a one thirty to three thirty observation time slot. So, well, I, I think if you, if you would have showed up earlier, I don't think anybody would have, uh, <laughs> anybody would have like one, but like everyone was at lunch. So like, uh, or like watching the Chelsea game. So yeah, that, that's, uh, I was at, um, I was walking actually, I rode with Ian Wilson and Chris Moraga. They went to go get lunch at, um, some, Mediterranean place and I walked like four blocks to a um uh Qdoba <laughs> and it got my it got my lunch so um yeah you know speaking of of really good things um like Nick uh, coming to exact finally uh, we have a a guest coming on this week that uh we got to really kind of get uh get to know uh in our time in Baltimore and uh, and it has since uh, obviously we knew who who they were uh, when we met them for the first time, um, and we know the impact that they've had on the game and, and what a tremendous impact they've had. Um, we both you know have friends who are currently uh, coaches who have played uh, for this uh, for this this coach, and 
Uh, we also have seen players on TV, a lot of them who have played for this coach. And uh, they have bugged us about coming on the show because they wanted the soccer chat effect to happen to them. And the problem was they had already been on a live show. They just haven't been on this show yet. And the soccer chat effect took place. Uh, and they're going to talk about their new position with you all coming up. You know, sometimes we just, when it comes to a guest, we just, we just knock it out of the park. Like the pitcher stepped up, gave the signals to the catcher and the catcher was like, nah, man, like just throw it underhanded. And the pitcher throws it and we absolutely just knock the dogs not out of the ball. And this week we've been wanting this guest on for a really, really, really long time. Uh, she made a special appearance at the overtime uh, the best soccer coach late night talk show of all time, uh, dare I say, uh, was one of the featured guests on there uh, with us and just made such a great um, impression on, on Nick and myself. And we got to hang out a little bit uh, during the, uh, I guess it would be the after party of the show um, and just got to, to chat with an absolute legend who I still cannot believe to this day knows my name. Uh, but we have with us, with her brand new position just started this week, you've probably heard her name once or twice before, ladies and gentlemen, this is Leslie Gallimore. <laughs> Leslie, how are you? I'm good. Quite an intro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I probably could have put throw, thrown more stuff in there if I would have done some research. No, hey. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> that's 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 why Nick is a part of the show. Nick or Google, either one. So yeah. I, you, the thing that I'm going to have to just come right out of the bat and say, I love the fact that you accepted my best. If I can gather friends like you, I'm I'm going to gobble them up. And before we start recording, and I, I need to make sure everyone's hearing this because um, <laughs> the the picture that my wife posted. Um, of me in my Zoom mullet uh, while I was on a, a Zoom call with a recruit, um, there was a misconception. People were like, is that a man bun or is that a part of the plant that's behind you? And I had to clarify that it was a man bun and Leslie kind of just outed me in that we have similar hair and now what I'm really trying to do, and this is the absolute truth, is I'm growing mine out to match hers. Uh, <laughs> so that way at some point when there is another convention, uh, people will not be able to recognize either one of us, except I'll be the one with the beard uh, and she'll be the one with flocks of people all around her. Yeah. Well, and we might have to start calling it something other than a man bun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Gender neutral bun. There you go. A, a, there we, there we a go. Bun, a, just a bun. Yeah, just a bun. You, you know, I, um, one of our good friends, Nick, uh, Jen Demos, she said something about, Hey, do you want me to rock a bun too? And I was like, yeah. And so she did it and we had matching ones. 
And then uh, I, and I never knew this was a thing, but she got up to me and whispered. She's like, Hey, how are you feeling about the, uh, the hair tie life? And I was like, I have to have one on my wrist at all times. So I, I'm, I've accepted it and I'm in and very, very soon I'm going to start looking like my best friend, Leslie. Leslie, go. enough about me, enough about us. Let's talk about you. Okay. Um, so with Soccer Chat, to understand who you are now and the role that you're in now and the things that you're trying to do, we kind of got to know how you got to this point. And if you want to brag about scoring 14 goals in U8 Rec League when you started playing, you can do that. If you want to brag about the tremendous honor awards that you got as a member of the famous Pac-12 uh, all-time team, uh, you know, brag, this is your chance to just put yourself over and Nick and I will just, we'll, we'll pump you up, pump you up. And we don't have to worry about the soccer chat affecting more because we're going to talk about that. So just kind of give everybody a, a background on, on how you got to where you are now. Um, you know, dumb luck. I think, I don't know. I, I, I feel that <laughs> I, I, I love playing and, uh, I kind of fell into coaching a little bit. Uh, I was, I was sort of thrust into leadership positions as a youth player and then as a, a a young college player at Cal I was put in a leadership position again because we were a varsity sport and also a club sport at the same time and my freshman year I was the club president and at the end of my freshman year I was sort of pushed from behind to be the one that went and told the club director that uh, even though we loved our coach he was a great guy he wasn't probably the one that was going to enamor the AD at the time and get us full varsity status. So as a freshman in college, we replaced our coach and I got the honor of doing that. Um, I don't know. I just kind of got, I got put into these positions where I was, had to be a decision maker at a young age. And uh, I, I, I fell into coaching right after college as far as, I worked a lot of camps in college, but uh, just to keep myself busy in the summer and keep myself relatively fit and make some money and by the time I finished my collegiate career, I was still playing quite a bit. And I was also in law school. And my coach at the time said, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go to law school. And he, he was a lawyer and he hated it, uh, which is why he was our coach as a volunteer. So I said, oh, you don't, you don't mean that. You don't think I can do it. And he goes, no, I know you can do it. You just won't like it. And so I went to law school for a year and I liked the law school part, but everyone I met that was an attorney, I couldn't stand. So I feel I like that's a that. common thing I've heard before. Yeah. And it's true. Kind of. I mean, it's just a kind of a, it's a great degree to have and law school itself is probably one of the most stimulating things I've ever done is intellectually. Uh, but the, the being an attorney on a day-to-day -day basis, there's a lot of people that are, that have Juris doctor's degrees that don't practice law. And it, it is a great degree to have. Um, the job itself is a tough one. I mean, it's, you know, it can be really tough depending on what area or field you're in. But anyway, I was playing still at the same time and I just ended up sticking with the coaching thing and one thing led to another. And as of last December, 34 years later, I, I finished my division one uh, collegiate career um, and was taking some time off and wasn't really planning on, you know, even though I was promised the soccer chat bump in January, I, hey. I kind of ignored it because I didn't really want it to happen yet. You, you have um, no choice. I know. Um, but I, I was channeling you when I, I did have some choices starting to come to fruition about halfway into the pandemic, three months in. So about March through June, some things were starting to bubble up. And it wasn't that I was getting bored. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes you just have a feeling. And there were some things that would have taken me away from Seattle where I would have had to pick up, pick up and move. And there were 
couple other positions that I can do remotely and still stay here and not have to pick up and move. And I think the pandemic is, for me, that was one of the things that started to become sort of a box I needed to tick was just not picking up my life quite yet, not knowing what's out there in the world and how the world's going to be when we come out of it exactly. And, and, mm -hmm. and so for me, it was always about trying to find something where I felt like I could have a positive impact and being the commissioner of the girls Academy was one where I felt I, I could do that. And I, you know, I do not profess to know that I know exactly what my role is, like everything I'm going to have to do. It's a lot. I do know that, but I, or that I'm, you know, qualified for all of it, but I'm, I'm qualified enough, but you I went do to law I, school that helps, but, yeah, but I do know that I have a passion for the game. And I do know at this point in time in the youth game, there is a place for me to have a positive impact. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of great people involved with this league. And I think youth soccer and, and you're watching the collegiate game right now too. You guys know as well as I do, there's every faction of life has been affected by COVID and how we come out of this and how we lead people and lead ourselves through it is going to, is going to matter. Um, and it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined. True story. You were talking based about based off um, of that sentence, based off that paragraph right there, you're infinitely more qualified than me and Sean to yeah. be the guiding stone for this, for this next group of people. No, notice they didn't come knocking on our door during the pandemic. <laughs> That's Goodbye, for sure. Maybe you I, did, didn't hear it. <laughs> so I do, I do have to admit that you were talking about, you know, trying to decide if you want to pack up and leave Seattle or, you know, what that next thing was for you. And I had a conversation with Don Crow. Gosh, I can't remember how many months ago it was. Um, I think it was a little bit after I took the Brescia job uh -huh. and she was like, so like, you got to start thinking about a staff and, and things like this. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I just, I just don't know who I could bring in to, to want to come to my, my little school and, you know, help get this thing turned around. And she's like, well, you know, you need to either find somebody who's really, really young, uh, <laughs> who's ready to grind or find somebody who's just kind of like stepped away and, you know, just kind of wanting to get back and stay in it a little bit. And I was just like, you think Leslie wants to come to Owensboro, Kentucky and coach with me? <laughs> and Don was like, I'm going to say no, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, um, exactly. and, so and so now I wish I would have known. So in these various conversations you were having through the pandemic, that there would have been a very minute fraction por portion of you that was like, I'm going to go be Sean's assistant at uh, Brescia University. Well, I can't say that Kentucky didn't cross my mind. Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, I, I just think that for me, one of the things that I was eventually pretty adamant about um, in my, my decision-making process was I only have a certain amount of time left uh, on this planet to do something different. And I think college soccer has had my number for so long and, and I've been entrenched in it for so long that it was time for something different and new. Um, and, and so that was a little bit off, off the, the docket, whether I was going to be on the field coaching or affecting coaching or coaching education or um, doing what I'm doing now. I, I just think there's, there was a lot of other things in the game I, I weighed as, as possibilities. But if I were going to remain in college soccer, Russia University, you know, it, it, has, a, it has an appeal. And Let's it go. It might have been something I would have explored. Let's if go. College soccer was on the docket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I can go to sleep a happy man knowing that uh, <laughs> I, I probably should have reached out. But, um, you know, the, the thing that 
for, for Nick and I, I remember when um, we were kind of planning the whole overtime uh, shindig and we were chatting with Becky about, you know, people that we want to have on. Uh, and, and we, we narrowed it down to like, it's going to take a special person to be on the show with the three of us and somebody who can, who can, who gets us, uh, someone who will, you know, take the punches, throw some punches, uh, and yet have a good time and has personality. And right off the bat, Becky was like, Leslie Galmore. And it was for me, not like, not meeting you before. Like I honestly thought about this the other day too. We were, uh, we were cleaning our living room and in one of our, uh, I call it a nightstand end tables, uh, is where like my magazines and soccer books and stuff are at. And, um, when Nick asked a question, I'm going to go grab something because I saw it the other day. I was like, I need to show this to Leslie. But, you know, I, I had, you know, I'd heard of you, but we had never had any type of interaction. And honestly, when you stepped on stage and we, you know, you introduced yourself, that was the first time we really chatted. Yeah. Um, and I think it just like, I think so many people uh, that night, um, at least on, on our end of the, of the soccer chat, people who were there were just like, she needs to be on the show for like a full show because she was hilarious. And also my claim is that in February, Jill Ellis was like, thanks for having my back when Nick and Leslie and Becky were trashing me. And I was like, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Remember that. Um, for you, I mean, we've heard so much from like people who were in the crowd for that show. But I, as someone who always like to, wants to know like what everyone's thoughts were on it. But for you, like, what was that like being in that environment and just kind of being able to, I don't, I guess let loose, but just kind of be in a fun environment and just talk about coaching and, and have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, it was great. I, I don't know. I, I think the more you get to know me, even though we are already best friends. Yes. I think the more established. You get to know me, like that's the thing about soccer for me is I could be, you know, the president of the association or on the board for six years, or I could, um, you know, coach at one institution for 26 years. And I just, I try never to take myself overly seriously, to be honest. Like, I just don't, it's sports, it's, it's supposed to be fun. And, and the convention for me, uh, specifically, is, you know, that's our peeps. We get to see that big yeah. group of people once a year. And I have so many connections through the sport that aren't just Division One women's coaches that, uh, that it's a blast for me. Like, to, from the past presidents to people that I used to do coaching education with uh, in the, the association to the U S soccer people, to the youth coaches that I used to coach ODP with to players that I used to coach that are coaching now. I mean, it's just like, it's one thing after another and it's the whole six degrees of separation thing. And, and I just, it's just fun for me. Like I don't, me letting loose and me being serious are really difficult to differentiate <laughs> between, to be honest. I mean, that's why I, you fit in with us so well. Yeah, I, I try to I try to keep it pretty loose most of the time. Obviously, I have I try to be professional in, in any given environment, but at the same time, I you I made a mistake coming on here. This is the yeah, most professional, also, unprofessional show. Yeah, I, I, I try to at least uh, you know 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 when to pick and choose or know my audience or know where I am. But at the same time, I'm just I just tend to be me. I, I think there's one me, and I don't think there's business Leslie or you know. President Leslie or Coach Leslie or player, I, I think I'm pretty much just relatively similar in in all the different environments. And uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think you you <laughs> saw that that night. And um, someone like Jill Ellis, if I could poke fun at her, 
um, in a big crowd like that and know that she's not going to um, stop speaking to me, I, I think maybe that says something about some of the connections <laughs> or friendships that I forged is that I, I you know, I, I kind of know what they, they rely on. And uh, anyway, so, you know, it was a super fun night. And again, the convention for me, I loved the, I loved that, um, that whole format. I thought it was really cool. I thought Becky did a great job setting that up. I was a little teeny bit pissed. I wasn't in the car karaoke video, to be honest. Um, my staff, <laughs> you know, my staff I, I, and I could have crushed car karaoke. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when it comes to the big dogs who are in that video, um, all complaints can be forwarded on to um, Becky Burley. Becky, oh, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I, I know where to go with my. No, but like to, to kind of switch gears again and uh, get back into a little bit more of the soccer stuff. Um, obviously, we started at Washington. Like you said, you were a pretty new coach um, and, and still pretty young, but you got started in it right away. What was, uh, what was it like going through that? I actually got to meet um, one of your former players a few weeks ago, uh, Tina Frimpong, uh, through uh, – like I, I'm doing like this online coaching course, and she was in a Zoom and stuff. And obviously, like you probably have one of the biggest names in U.S. soccer that ever that you got to coach in. And Hope Solo, what was it like the early years like when you were coming through and getting your feet wet with the coaching at uh, University of Washington? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was an assistant for four years at Cal and then four years I was a head coach. My first job at San Diego State, which was really um, – my, my time at Cal as an assistant was awesome in that I coached with three different head coaches in four years. So I was kind of the mainstay for one Joy Biefeld Fawcett um, her entire career at Cal and I played with her as well, but I was her assistant. I was the assistant coach and I was kind of the constant there. And I, I had to reteach every head coach that came in sort of what the ropes were at Cal and what the team was like and what the women were like. So I really trial by fire as an assistant coach. And then San Diego state was just a blast because it was a new program in San Diego at a school that was pretty desirable for kids to go to. Um, and I was still playing quite a bit. So I was fit enough to, uh, play with them and you know I, I think I was a good enough player to compete with them uh, you know in my in my early 20s and and everything I did was an experiment and they were just all in for us all to get it right or all to get it wrong together it didn't matter but um, and I just really got to with no one looking over my shoulder without a lot of pressure just work my tail off to have as much fun as we could to build a culture of um, you know competitive soccer where they just loved coming to practice and loved playing and loved getting better every day. And uh, it, it was a ton of fun for me. So by the time I got the Washington job, I had, uh, I, I had eight years of coaching under my belt, but at the same time I was inheriting a program that was only three years old and it was shocking. They just started the program and it was shocking that the coach was leaving. It's not shocking that he got wooed away by Texas, obviously. Um, but I inherited a program that was just ready to turn the corner to be a playoff contender. And I knew it. So to me, there, there was pressure in that, you know, I'm, I, this is not a rebuild. This is not me starting from scratch. There's eyes on and these players expect us to be a tournament team. And, um, and so I think that was maybe one of the more self-aware moments I had was that I knew that was the, the environment and I had to really, um, work hard to make sure that I didn't muck it up. And, and we did make the playoffs my first year. So as a young coach, it was, it was always just trying to look around and learn from others. And it's still as an old coach, that's what it was too. It was always just trying to learn from other people, trying to learn from mistakes, trying to, again, be self-aware uh, just to know where my strengths and weaknesses were. But as a, as a young coach in the early days at Washington, it was, um, 
what ended up for me after 26 years at one place, 24 of them with my best friend as my associate head coach, when we walked away, the, the thing that we feel was our biggest accomplishment was the fact that, you know, an extremely high percentage of players that have played at Washington played for us, um, almost all of them. And the fact that they are uh, diehard Huskies and they're Huskies for life. They are still in our lives for the most part, very, you know, very many of them. And, and, and that it was just something that became kind of bigger than the game and bigger than just that place for us. Uh, it was the people that came through there and, meaning that I feel like we had to have done at least something right to, to have it feel that way, to have our alums be some of the most attached alums in the country to a program. Do you think that pressure you put on yourself in the beginning was like a positive thing for you overall? If you had to like look back on your 26 years of coaching and that pressure you put on yourself? hundred percent. Yeah. And again, the self-awareness to know that that was sort of the expectation of the players coming in and to know what environment I was coming in at. And I just, I think new coaches, when they take over a program, it's, it's obviously the environment's different now as far as um, rules and what you can and can't do when you take over a program. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people, most coaches come into something when it's gone south and they come in to fix it. Uh, starting from scratch, there's not been that many programs added that are brand new that you're, you know, starting from scratch, but it's usually trying to figure out how to put your own stamp on it. And I, I never, ever thought that I would come in there and in one year it was going to be about me um, at all and that I was fixing something. I came into a, an awesome situation where I had to learn and listen to the players and figure out the dynamic, figure out the best thing to do. There was a whole huge group of them that wanted to follow their coach that recruited them, which I understood, um, to Texas. And he tried to get quite a few of them to go. And at the end of the day, not one of them left. Um, more because I feel like I let them do what they needed to do to look and learn and figure me out and figure that place out. And, um, and, and I, I think if I would have fought them on that, I probably would have lost all of them. If I would have, you know, been insecure about my own ability to coach them and, and be enough for them. So it was, it was all kinds of things looking back on it, but you know, pressure, I, I can't remember feeling pressure, just the excitement of, kind of hitting the big time in the Pac-12. You know, I played in the Pac-12. I, I always wanted to kind of be a coach in that conference. And uh, and San Diego State was a great job for me to start out with. And, and you know, I loved it there. I could have stayed there for a really long time, but I just felt I had a, a calling to be in that conference. And Washington was a, a similar school to where I went to at Cal. And I don't know, I just, it was, it was an exciting challenge for me. And I think I was still in a, a time in my life where, Pressured, I don't know. To me, it was more just the excitement and the challenge of it all. I, I never really looked at it as anything but fun, <laughs> to be no, honest. No. So. And that's awesome. Like, when, like, looking back on it now, is there anything that you would have changed that you did in the beginning or in the middle, like, like kind of in the first, like, from, like, 94 to, like, the mid-2000s when you first got started? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, when you're at a place that long, you're going to have your, your ebbs and flows. And, you know, it's, it's pretty common knowledge in the circles I run in, but it might not be common knowledge with you two is that I had a, we had an Ofer season. We went to the Elite Eight in 2004, and, in, and that was Tina's senior year. We lost to Princeton in the Elite Eight, and we graduated um, nine of 11 starters. And one of our starting uh, players was a freshman who ended up uh, medically disqualifying um, and 
we've lost 90% of our score. And then we also had a, the next year in 2005 had a top five schedule. We started our first four games were like against three of the final four teams. I think we played Virginia, Santa Clara, Notre Dame, and someone else. And uh, Penn State, I don't know, our, our schedule was ridiculous. Um, and we lost 14 games by a goal. We were super competitive and we were the best Ofer team you've ever seen. Uh, but it was probably one of our best years coaching and trying to rebuild. And fortunately, I worked at a place where uh, we'd won enough and we'd had a, enough success and the team didn't unravel. There wasn't a lot of unrest and we got to get after it again. So to me, it was more just um, after that, making sure that our, our classes were a little bit more evenly spread so we didn't <laughs> lose that many people at one time that were that, uh, that, were that important. And, and I think that was a, a really good lesson for us to learn. But having the opportunity to be able to, within your own program, rebuild and get back after it and, and get to the Elite Eight again in 2010 and, um, you know, to be able to leave as the Pac-12 coaching staff of the year and uh, have a little tournament run this year. It just, there were so many fun achievement moments like that, but I, I would say that all the other, you know, struggles and weird things in between were also just as fun. Yeah. What would, uh, like, what was maybe like your favorite coaching moment? Like what was like one that you always remember? I'll tell you, it was uh, getting outshot by UCLA in 2000. We were the first team outside of California to win the Pac-12 and Jill was coaching at the time. And, and uh, we were outshot. Hope was in goal. We were outshot probably 26 to two and we beat UCLA one, nothing in overtime at home. And uh, yeah, that was one of the better uh, clear the bench field post-game overtime celebrations that I did a pop-up slide. Everyone was going for the big dog pile and I was getting ready to, I don't know what I was getting ready to do, but I slid and I popped up. I ended up on top of the dog pile. So anyway, it was fun. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a highlight for sure. So my plan was while Nick was asking questions, I was running back to my uh, end table. <laughs> I just a couple weeks ago, like I said, I was cleaning this and I found for whatever reason, I still had the United soccer coaches magazine with you on the cover of your like debut as the president. Uh-huh. And since like coming back from convention and whatnot and seeing, I was like, like, I'm going to send that off to, uh, to Leslie and have her like sign. I'm going to put it in my office. So I go in to go grab it. So I can be like, look what I've got. It was thrown away while I was gone this weekend. Oh man. Yeah. Well, so, if she's got a box of them, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. Cause that would be such a baller thing to do for me. Yes. That's the one that I had. I don't know if I have a box, but I have more than one. <laughs> Cause I was just, I went, once we decided that we were going to do the show and I was like, Oh, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to show it. And then back. Okay. I'm going to send this to you so I can put this up in my office. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not the case. Hopefully my wife's not listening to this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm Casey, kind of upset. Casey be okay. I'm kind um, of upset. <laughs> he did text well, me. He's I, like, I'm I, I did. I did text Nick when I read back and I was like, dude, I am so pissed right now. <laughs> Well, if I find extras, I will. Uh, I will definitely. I'll, I'll if I you. was on the cover of the United Star Coaches magazine, I probably would get like a box of them myself. I, I, I needed to just make sure I had one for my mom. <laughs> and that's I a good call. About one, so that, yeah, that, that's a that's a smart decision that's for cool. all the moms out there. I, I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> um, I would be remiss to ask, what was it like coaching Hope Solo? Because I mean, I again, probably almost undisputably the best goalkeeper in. Uh, 
in, in history. Um, yeah. what, what was it like coaching with her? Well, or coaching um, her? It, I, uh, my associate head coach, Amy Griffin was the one that was, uh, more responsible for anything great that hope did than I ever did. But having her on our team was, uh, it was awesome. You know, I think Hope gets a, an interesting rap, so to speak. And if you were to ask anyone that played with her during her time at Washington, she's an outstanding teammate. Uh, she, as a goalkeeper, you know, a lot of times you see those goalkeepers that the minute somebody shoots on them, they are up in arms and yelling at everybody because a shot got off. Um, Hope was perfectly happy to, you know, make saves and give her teammates credit. She, she, she gave so much confidence to the people in front of her that, when we won the Pac-12 in 2000, I want to say that we ended up, we had like three or four of our, our backline defenders were walk-ons that had earned scholarships. I mean, these weren't like, you know, blue chip recruits. They were four kids from Washington that played in a local club that all ended up being awesome for us and a lot having to do with sort of the belief and hope put in them. I don't have Did a problem you, like, like when you that like I watched women's soccer like when I was a kid, uh-huh. but Hope Solo, for whatever reason, she was the one that I was like, when I like first like really went all in on the United States Women's National Team, like, yes, I, I watched the 99ers and yes, I, you know, was, was a namer just by soccer in general, but it was, there was something about her. I don't know if it was like, I feel like she was like the first person to come on the team with like, like had she had this like aura this the swagger before there was such thing as swagger to where you know the mias the shannons the the lils you know they're yeah. professional you go out you do your job uh yeah. you know and all this stuff but there was this hope had this swag that i just remember like younger yeah. me was just like i'm all in on this we used to say to her you know when you know she's and she's just got a look and a presence about her yeah and i used to say to her i said there's you know, when she, either when she doubted or she, I think she always had this quiet confidence in that position as, and she's just a tremendous athlete. Um, but I used to say to her, I said, hope I, you just need to know, like the stars are aligned. One, you're a goalkeeper Two, your name's hope <laughs> <laughs> three, your last name's solo <laughs> and, <laughs> you, 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 and you're good enough to stand back there by yourself and keep a team in a game. You just are. Um, at any level. And, and you're not as good as you're going to be, but you are, you are well on your way. And, you know, there were saves that she made um, just on sheer athleticism and reaction that were unbelievable. And, um, and the minute she learned to organize the team in front of her, and she's a really good student of the game, but the minute she realized that um, tactically she could have a big impact by organizing people in front of her, instead of just saving a shot, uh, her game went to another level. Um, her ability to play with both of her feet made her phenomenal. But I, I think you are probably drawn one because of that presence and that swagger, but two, because she was an edge of your seat type of player, the stuff mm-hmm. she could do, like you always thought she had a chance to make yeah. a save. Um, and if you go back and you look at the highlight reels of some of her saves, they're, they're otherworldly. Uh, I, it makes me, it makes me laugh. Cause like, I can remember waking up crazy early to watch all of the cup in Japan and like, the famous Brianna Scurry game against Brazil. Uh, China. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And um, I, the next year was my first year to go to convention. Uh, the guy that I was working at the time took me and I saw that Greg Ryan was speaking and it was about like where he was going to talk about what happened in the world cup. Yeah. Yeah. Yada. 
And I was so like, man, there's going to be a ton of people there. Like I want to get in. I want to find out why this happened. Cause I was so like, I guess like hope so. Like she was like, she really got me going for it. And I was, it was an, it was an odd decision. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, it, I was one of, so this is a pretty good size conference room. And I think I was one of seven people that were in it. And I was definitely the only person in the front row, probably the first 10 rows. Um, and he kind of went through a spiel and, um, he mentioned, you know, and, you know, brought up some type of stat said, and this is why we went with Brianna in this game, yada, yada. And then I can remember at the end, he's like, you know, does anybody got questions? I was like, why, why'd you take hope out? Like you wouldn't be doing this conversation right now if you wouldn't have done that. Um, and he was a super good sport and like had he, you know, like a typical coach had his reasons and just said, you know, that's what I went with what we had and you know it's up to everyone else and, and myself to one point say hey look back on it and say yeah we made a mistake it is what it is yeah yeah and 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 just all of the stuff that ensued and and i don't know it, it was just i think it made the the rest of hope's career um different but at the same time if you look at the resilience she showed and being able to overcome yeah. um basically being ostracized, basically. I mean, it was just, if you go back and look at that time, I just still in my head can't wrap it around, wrap my head around how that all unfolded. Like it was, it was really nuts. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, anyway. And, um, but if you, if you, you I, I think in history, once all is said and done, it's going to be very, very difficult for any goalkeeper to put numbers up like she's put up. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, and I, I mean, think history will, history will eventually be very kind to Hope Solo as far as her impact in that position as a female goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper period, um, and, and on the world stage, uh, what she was able to accomplish. So, um, you know, she's got twins now. She's a mom. She's doing some TV stuff. She's got all kinds of irons in the fire, but she, uh, there, there's only one hope solo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, solo, I mean, it, it is what solo. it is. And, it I, and I was going to wait to exactly. ask this, but you kind of brought it up. You know, what do you, do you see TV being what she does or do you think there's a chance that she's on the sidelines or, or something uh, back in the game rather than just in a TV studio? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a, a lot of things. I also know for a fact, there's a lot of things that hope does that people don't see. And she's, she is, um, you know, it's interesting, the equal pay thing. She was one of the first loudest people about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just for her. It was for everyone. I mean, she was very adamant about uh, conditions and and equality as far as, you know, not necessarily just what the men were being paid, but just how they were treated and things that just seemed off. Uh, you know, she didn't run for president of U.S. soccer, not necessarily thinking because she was going to win, but at least to have the the pulpit to be able to uh, voice her opinion on some things that she thought needed to change uh, with the U.S. Soccer Federation and, and as far as the women's game and the pro game was concerned. Um, I know social justice and, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things that Hope cares deeply about uh, that, you know, again, I don't think people will ever see or hear or um, be able to uh, really kind of know her in a way that, that I, that, you know, only a few of us do know her, but she's a you know, the, the TV stuff, the commentating, she loves the game. I think she's got a good eye for the game. Uh, but who knows? I mean, she's got a lot of different things out there that she loves to do. She want to be an assistant coach at Brush University? <laughs> you never know. 2020, <laughs> shoot your shot, my guy. That's what you got to do. Do it. 
Um, but yeah, like, in, like, honestly, like it's, it's so cool to hear all the, the stories and everything, but also like one of the things we did want to talk about tonight is kind of this next gig and like, even like the journey to get here with the DA and everything, like how much did you know about like what was going on, like with this about the DA, like kind of folding and then leading into the now, uh, GAL. Yeah. The gal. We're just, we're just calling yeah. it GA. The GA, <laughs> the GA is it okay? So, so you've you've solidified Nick and I since this whole thing has been uh, announced. Yeah, we've just been like the gal. Like we can't say that. Like we yeah. we don't no. feel comfortable with it. Well, <laughs> Not right really big that, fans of it. Yeah, right when it came out, I was like, oh, they didn't, and then they changed it pretty quickly. So, uh, the GA, even though it rhymes with okay. DA, and I just call it the Girls Academy. It's easier that way. I I don't think everything yeah. has to be an acronym. Yeah, because um, so I think Nick even said he was like, I, I can't believe that of all the possible names or yeah. even acronyms when we said gal, <laughs> yeah. that everyone in the room was like, that's it. And then they go and hire <laughs> Leslie Gallimore. Which was, which that, you know what, I think that was to make up for the acronym. They're like, this is what we meant to do. We're, we're hiring Leslie Gallimore and like, she's going to be yeah, commissioner, so we just wanted to give her a shot. It was, we were leading Gallimore. Okay. Or they heard Nick and I complain and was like, we need to do something to make Nick and Sean happy. I can't say that I hadn't heard. I mean, I, I, I am a uh, coaching instructor with U.S. soccer, and I can't say that maybe close to April I didn't hear a few rumblings. Um, I know, you know, the MLS Academy split and the boys DA, there had been a lot of those conversations uh, going on. The girls DA, I, I really, I think there was some movement on teams between leagues. But on April 15th, um, I'll tell you, I think U.S. soccer, and I, I do believe this, as much as there's probably still a lot of hard feelings, is that I, I think they were trying to – there was a, a group of people that didn't, until the day it happened, think it was going to fold or think that it was yeah. going to not exist. And so, I mean, there were people that found out on the Internet before they were called, club directors. And so it was, um, it was a pretty brutal day. Um, my associate head coach, Amy Griffin, is a technical director for – uh, the OL Rain Academy, and she was one of those teams that fell into that. So when April hit, uh, I had a pretty up close and personal view of what she was going through to salvage their club and save their team. And a great group of people got together and made this league, basically. And I think that was one of the things that inspired me was how these coaches came together and, and really rescued 7,000 kids <laughs> um, in an elite platform. And, 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 you know, I, again, I, I, I wouldn't have looked back four or five months ago and said that this is what I, I'd be doing right now. Um, but I just, I kind of was drawn to their passion and something new and a challenge. And not just for me personally, I really do think along with the people around me and collaborating with other stakeholders in the youth girls game in this country, uh, that I could help have an impact and help build something um, unique and I think in youth soccer everyone says yeah yada 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 it's youth soccer still <laughs> it's you know I get that a lot I'm like I know I, I'm not Pollyanna I don't you know I, I can see the I, I know where the the issues lie and I know what the landscape's really like on the ground and I know the I wouldn't say infighting but that there's competition and that um, kids are just looking for the next shiny thing or which team's going to and that's fine. Um, but if I, if I pay attention to that and that's kind of the trap I fall into personally, um, I, 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 then I don't think I'd be doing my job. I think my job is to, um, again, along with some other creative, innovative, uh, passionate people that want to not just 
develop soccer players, but to develop young women who at an earlier age uh, start to get all the things I know that will help them not just when they're in college, but afterwards. And I think that college carrot and that national team carrot have been so huge and they've built up such a thing in, in kids' minds that those are the two extrinsic things out there that they, too many of them are always working for. They don't really see the other things that soccer can give you. And that being in your journey in the moment and learning through the everyday things, there are so many other doors that will open for you from this sport than just those two doors. College is four years, maybe five. Well, now maybe six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Corona, kid, you may have an eight-year plan. If you're a COVID kid. Um, and then the national team, you know, the youth national team programming, great. But if, if your ultimate goal is to be a U.S. national team player, great. But it's going to be a small percentage of them that make it there. Um, the number of pro leagues around the world now and pro teams that women can go and play on, the, the world game and how much it's changing, uh, and, and the, the pro game in the United States, the NWSL, I think has, uh, I think we are, we're, we're passing a point now with this league compared to the first two tries where it's really catching on in a way that just doesn't revolve around our national team players. It revolves around the whole sport and the cities and the communities and the fans. And again, we want to teach girls that there's other things in the game that they can be um, commissioner being one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but in all honesty, I don't think that the pathway of coaching has been shown to girls in a way that it should be. Uh, I don't think the pathway of being a league manager or being a director of a club, being a referee, being a CEO, um, being someone who is in a company that goes back and, uh, gives back to to clubs as far as sponsorship or money or being a fundraiser or president of the United Soccer Coaches Association. And there's all kinds of things that, that are out there. And if you have a passion for the game that when you're finished playing, we need you in the sport. And if they don't know that those are things that can happen or they're never modeled for them, how are they going to know? And I, I think there's so much in there that I've been a part of that not only could I personally show them, but I know the people that can personally show it to them. So that part is really exciting to me. And I, again, I might sound like an idiot and I might sound like a... No, on this show, everyone sounds incredibly smart. Yeah. So uh, I might, you know, it might be a big pipe dream and, and naive, but at the same time, I, I know that there's this advisory panel of players that are about to get announced in our league pretty soon that are bright-eyed young women who are really excited to have a voice in their own pathway and a, and a place to lead from. So um, I can't wait to get started with them. I've been very impressed. Like, I don't know who the GA's mark. I feel, that feels so good. Just saying GA. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Continue. Yes. I, we're, we're I, back, I we're, back, we're back. Like, we're, we're very excited about this name. We, we are, we are back and for excited us. for the league. Like we've never been excited before. about <laughs> this Academy is also fine. Um, but you're, the, the marketing team or the social media people for you all, the thing that I, when it first kind of got started, I'm like, is this a pro league? <laughs> like, th like this stuff makes these, you know, high school amateur players, like it's better looking than a lot of professional sports stuff in America right now. It's yeah, better than a lot of top division one programs. I'm like, I, I'm so confused. I was like, is this a pro league for 14 year olds? Cause I, <laughs> Hey, my kid, I got eight years. I got Sign her ready. Let's get her go. Let's get her go. Yeah. But I'm so impressed with the marketing um, that the league has done. And it, like I said, it's, 
it, it gives us very top quality professional vibe uh, to what the uh, the Girls Academy is all about. Yeah, they've been great. Uh, launch original out of uh, out of Los Angeles, and they. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the people we're connected to and the people in the organization who have uh, a vision and, and, and a connection with this group. But they've they've just done a great job of delivering the message that was developed by the players, to be honest. Um, our, our, our mission, our vision, our core values all come from the players, from listening to them, from, uh, from hearing from them and knowing what it is that they want to stand for and what they want to be. And I think when you have that kind of authenticity, it's easy to market around. To be honest, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel um, made up. It doesn't feel trite. It feels real. And I, I think when when we can finally, um, you know, there's going to be soccer in phases coming up because we're all over the place in this country on who's playing and who's not and what we can, uh, you know, get out there on the field this fall um, and where we can get it out there. But at the same time, I just think when this whole league is up and running that it's going to have, um, I just think it's going to have a great feel to it. And I think those things that you see um, in social media and on paper are going to be reflected in the performances and uh, sort of the, the, the vibe of what this league is all about from top to bottom. I'm just like super excited for like, I hope that my daughter plays in it. <laughs> like for me, <laughs> like I'm, I'm always one like, yeah, you know, like we're going to do what everyone do. But like I started seeing, it, I was like, wow, like if she really takes this whole like playing thing serious, like, this is something I want her to be a part of. Um, yeah. And again, I think, again, like I said, it speaks to the volumes of, of what you all are doing uh, with that and, and the marketing group that you're working with. Um, Cause like I said, I know a lot of college coaches who are like, my college don't even do stuff that good. Um, <laughs> and you know, here we are doing it for, for these high school age players. And, and again, I, I, what you mentioned, and I kind of read on it a little bit. I mean, a lot of this league was, going to the players who are in the league and asking them questions uh, and taking their opinions and taking their advice or things that they like, things that they don't like um, and creating this, this atmosphere. And so now it's, you know, using this platform that you all have with who all is involved with it uh, on top of the marketing company. And now we're elevating the profiles of these players um, that I know, like they'll do like a player spotlight. It seems like every couple of weeks uh, and now giving us uh you know almost like the uh the old phrase of making new stars yeah. uh you know you're you're using your platform to showcase a player who maybe is only known in their region uh or someone who's known nationally within u.s soccer but maybe not on a national scale now because of this platform because of your guys' uh social media we are now able to know who those players are and i mean kind of what's the what was the idea through that well i mean i just think too is you know we it goes back to what I said earlier about I, I obviously making a U.S. national team and being identified through any platform and, and the identification process will be um, obviously a part of our league as well as trying to identify players that to, to get on the national team pathway. Um, but at the same time, that can't be the only thing you know about a young person. <laughs> you know, we really want to show who who these who these who these girls are in our league and what they do and what makes them um, such high achievers in not just in the classroom not just on the soccer field but what are they doing in their communities what do they mean to their team what kind of adversity have they overcome um, how diverse is is our league and how can we diversify it even more how inclusive can we be and I think one of the big things that's always stuck out to me is when this isn't about swallowing up territory or 
um, or, you know, it, of course it's about competition, but I, I said, again, I'm not going to fall into that trap of that's all it's about for us. To me, it's looking around and looking at the big blank spots on the map where maybe, maybe the elite platform has been too exclusive in certain markets and a lot of markets haven't been reached. Um, how do you, how do you reach out to a small market like Hawaii? where, by the way, we've had quite a few great youth players come from that area, but they've never been able to play um, necessarily in the, an elite platform uh, and be included that way. So how do, we, how do we make it happen? And how do we sort of get innovative in ways that we um, divide up our conferences? And if you, look at, if you look at COVID even right now, you have to get, um, I think it's, it's made us hit the pause button on all this, you know, national travel. I mean, because right now people can't. So how do we regionalize things and localize things to the point where you can still have a high level of competition and every once in a while you can mix it up so that obviously you're playing against um, the best from, from all over the place, but at the same time, grow, grow local markets um, and outlier markets where, you know, maybe players have come out of nowhere, but they've had to go guest player. They've had to move we need to get into those little pockets and, and, um, and figure out how to help them develop their clubs to a standard where they can compete. And cause they're out there. I know they're yeah. out there. And I think that, I think the GA already has, uh, you know, added quite a few clubs that weren't in the DA that have never been in the ECNL that, uh, are now going to have the opportunity to, and you know, whether they are the most competitive club in the first year or it's not the point, um, is to give them time to, uh, to, to understand what the environment is like and to give them the tools to, to help build their game model and to help develop their players in a way uh, that, that does point towards an elite pathway. And again, not just elite as far as being able to be a college player, or be a youth national team player, but to be able to stay in the game and, and, and have retention, you know, amongst the young girls in this country and not have them dropping out at, you know, a certain age and, and losing them to the coaching, you know, the, they don't become coaches because they're not really even excited about playing anymore by the time they get out of college. They don't even think of that as something they can do uh, or other things in soccer. So I just think there's all kinds of things about it that, you know, if we can um, maintain, you know, and, and gain good partnerships and, and get this thing rolling um, through COVID and, and, and get it out on a, I think we've been pretty good so far, but really put it out on the field in the same way that it's been built up to this point. I think we're on a good path. Yeah. And like, I mean, again, I just think you guys are doing so many things that are, are just really empowering and encouraging to those players. I got one of, one of our friends of our show, Tiffany Weimer, like is co-chair of the, another acronym, the GAAP, which yep, yep, is. Yep, the advisory panel. We're just calling it the advisory panel. <laughs> the advisory panel. Sorry, I'm going off with These my. These new names my... need to be announced publicly because we are so lost right now. Coming soon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Exactly. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. You're hearing it here first. Yeah. It's just advisory panel. I, I'm honestly going off my, my research. That was, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was what you're I saw. Need, on the... You guys are going to need to re-research the advisory panel. <laughs> this week That's... you'll see it. The, the advisory panel, I think the players are getting named this week or next. So stay, stay tuned. That will be awesome. But it just, it's again, it, I think it just speaks to what you guys are trying to do with this and giving the players a voice because especially at that time of their lives and, and everything they're going through to be able to, to talk through some of the things that they're working through is going to be just, again, so empowering for them and their teammates and everyone that is going to be involved with it. So really, really cool. Just like the stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah. Thanks. I think, it, I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait to get to know just, I mean, the players and um, how it kind of trickles down to the youngers and, and in addition to that, the coaches in this league and, 
um, you know, I, I told them like commissioner is such a weird term <laughs> for me. I'd like, I just, it's funny, you know, it, it's easy to tease, which is great, but um, I will always be a coach. I mean, I, I just, you know, once I couldn't play anymore and I finished playing in my forties is that I, I will always be a coach at heart. And so to be able to have coaching conversations and player development conversations and technical conversations with different technical staffs, not just in our country, but around the world and in FIFA and CONCACAF and, um, and to be able to share ideas with the coaches in our league is extremely exciting. And to use a variety of coaching education mechanisms to, um, to help them help their players be better uh, is, is really exciting for me to think about. And, and I, don't, I think the beauty of this country is that, uh, you know, as much as our, our women's national team has won two World Cups in a row and they've won four total, and uh, we have definitely a brand of soccer that we play, the style varies you know from year to year from coach to coach but at the same time the american mentality has always been the same um and and but the beauty of this country and as we evolve 100 percent to me should be is that we are not a cookie cutter nation and that there are so many um such a melting pot of coaches that want to influence our game and we should let them um in a way that not only develops young minds but develops thinking players and develops players that see the game um, in a variety of ways and, and are able to play it a variety of ways and then able to come together maybe as a national team and um, have the sort of acumen to be able to excel in whatever environment they're in. But it's, it's exciting to me to be able to um, have those discussions with coaches and just hear what they're thinking and hear what they're teaching their own coaches in their club. Um, I just, you know, if I could look a, a year or two down the line and, and we can get this thing rolling a little bit, uh, those are, you know, some of the things I think that I'll, I hope we'll be able to see a noticeable difference uh, in the youth game. If, uh, if you were to go back into the, the coaching days and, and think to yourself about getting ready for a game, you're getting excited, almost like you were a player again, you're getting excited, you're getting hyped and, and maybe listening to some jams on the, on the speakers or things like that. If there was a song that could describe you as a coach, what song would that be? <laughs> a song. And you heard him ask us to gel, so you knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, let's see. No, I didn't know it was coming. People always ask me things like this. Favorites, song, what, like, and I'm so lame <laughs> at answering. Um, let's see. God, I should pick a Bruce song because I'm a boss addict. Um, <laughs> Glory days. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's so funny, like, we think of – you know, players having warm-up music or, you know, warm-up music before game or you're in a car heading to a game, you, you've, got the, you've got the radio playing and whatnot. And it's been so funny that when we asked that question on here, the, I, and I, there's got to be some data analysis person who has tracked this because Nick and I obviously have not, but have how many soccer coaches have come on here and be like, well, I'm not a really big music person. Or like, I, I, I've never thought about this question before. And it's like, come on, like, there's got to be yeah. some song that you're like, you listen to it, you hear the lyrics and you're just like, huh. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, get off, I'll, I'll get off of here and I'll think of 10 more that would be. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's like, I, I saw a, a guy get an argument the other day. Somebody's like, give me a list. And he's like, well, I have a list of one. And they're like, no, no, a list is multiple. He's like, no, no, it's just a list of one. You can give <laughs> us all 10. Uh, yeah. later on that's fine You're as well top 10, yeah I, but glory <laughs> days is a good one because i you know i do think about them not a, not in the way like oh i was the best or all that but like i have so many like highlights of my you life you can say you were the best 
we'll, know. I, we'll I, say I think, it. Yeah, we'll do it for I, you. I, I, She's I, the best. I think I've I think I've achieved a couple of different things in my life, but with other people that I just feel like I've been really blessed and and I'm so grateful to have been so many places, know so many people, have these connections through a sport that has given me some of the worst moments in my life and by far some of the greatest moments in my life. I mean, I told people last year, I look back on the 12 months of 2019 and every month something else happened that was incredible. And, you know, I just, something popped up the other day because I think it was a year ago, July, that Amy and I were given the golden scarves at the Sounders game. And, you know, you're there in front of 60,000 people on a summer day and I'm a season ticket holder for 10 years, but I get to be on the field with my scarf and, <laughs> watching my team and, and my family and friends are there. And I'm just like, it was a big honor to me. I'm, I am a huge Sounders fan. So it was just like to be able to be one of those people was really cool. And you just like, not everyone gets that. And it doesn't, it's not lost on me. Yeah. You know, it's just not lost on me. The cool things that I've been able to do and people that I've been able to meet and world cups I've been able to go to. And, you know, people that I can call my friends <laughs> are yeah. like, you know, that are famous now and, and, you know, they have one name and they're like, you know, the Pope and Cher and Madonna, <laughs> um, only better. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so glory days. I'd be remiss if I didn't throw this one out there because we have a, a mutual friend uh, who I just met this last summer. And for whatever reason, she will sing my praises, but I need a really good, funny or embarrassing Sarah Martina story. <laughs> uh, one that you can air. Sure. <laughs> Um, Sarah, 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 Sarah. Because I, so when I, I first met Sarah, I can, I can probably now because, and she knows this as well as I do. Sarah's been knocked in the noggin more times. Than <laughs> Sarah was the penultimate nine, the target, the hold up player, the badass that the sticky footed woman that you couldn't get around her to get the ball off her. Um, but she was also, uh, the person that um, like to her own detriment would throw her life on the line to win a game. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, throwing her face in front of a ball when she'd already had two concussions, like really Sarah, but at the same time, you know, we beat Oregon because she put her face in front of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks Sarah. Um, but I, I think my funniest story about Sarah is her competitiveness is that her uh, freshman year after her freshman year, she was one of our camp counselors and or she was coming into her freshman year it was like right when that rule changed that your kids could work your camps and we had little tiny kids and we were playing some kind of tag game and Sarah fully went and like grabbed like an eight-year-old's foot and like foot tackled the person's <laughs> foot <laughs> like I, I was like okay um <laughs> let's hope the parents aren't around the field somewhere like I don't know she just like she, she's hard to control. Like I, I said, Sarah, like there's a, there's a level of like playing in with them and having fun. And then there's that you can't, <laughs> she was just letting you know that when it comes to game time, like she's there for you. Oh, and she missed too many games because like she would literally <laughs> sacrifice her body to the point where, you know, first game one seat, she broke her hand and like the bone came through it. And then she wanted to come on our road trip to Wisconsin so badly she had surgery and then flew and then the thing swelled up. It got infected. It was like one thing after the other with her. Um, you know, she's the woman that goes to a former teammate's wedding last summer and dislocates her kneecap dancing. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's commitment. And then, and then the pin fell out and she had to have a second surgery. Oh so I don't know if these are funny stories, but Sarah's just a little bit of a, 
she Sarah Sarah needs to just live in a bubble for a little bit. So hopefully quarantine's <laughs> been good for her. She's I know she's safe. So, yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's so incredible. I'm so glad I know that. I she's, so, she's got she's got one of the biggest hearts of any people I know. Absolutely. The uh she and I worked at uh, the Exact Camp in California last year. Yep. And um we kind of we had some interactions the first day and then that evening like kind of like the coaches social like we really got to talking and really got to kind of know each other and I was like, yo, like this girl's for real. Like I like her. Yeah. Um, and like we we just instantly hit it off and she's been so cool and so helpful. Uh, for me. And uh, when I got uh, the Brescia job, you know, she was one of the first ones like, Hey, if you want to quote for your guys's press, like just reach out. And uh, awesome. she's super, super cool. And, and obviously Blue anybody who's a, working at an Ivy league school, right? So I know that was kind of, she's someone who never forgets where she came from. Yeah. She, uh, she's just, she's super cool. And, and, and somebody who's a uh, part of your, your coaching tree. Uh, I know that, uh, you, you've got your eyes on what she's doing over at Yale and, and the good job that, uh, she's going to be doing. Cause I think they've yep. got a, they've got a really good one, uh, with her in place. I think so too. Well, the thing about soccer chat is it's more than just a show. It's, it's kind of this community and this network that we've created. And, uh, some of those hooligans of that, that family and community that we've, uh, we started, you got to associate with at the, uh, the overtime show at convention. Um, so we always make this time for, if there's a coach who wants to reach out and chat with you about something coaching related, or maybe they want to talk about the girls Academy, or maybe it's a club that wants to know more about the girls Academy. Um, you know, how can, how can people get a hold of you? Commissioner. The commission. Oh yeah, she got this fancy email she sent me today, and you know, so most of the time for the show, we'll like send the Zoom link in in text messages or or a DM, whatever. And Leslie responds back to me, "Could you email it to me?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." And then like trying to like lead into like, "I need your email address," and sends me this official commissioner email address, and I was like, "Whoa, baller alert!" That goes right back to our marketing people. They got that all set up. In like 10 minutes, I had that. I was like, whoa. I'm like, this is not what my stuff at University of Washington looked like for 26 years. I have officially hit the big time. I've got this cool little signature and yeah. Absolutely. And that is uh, commissioner at girlsacademyleague.com, correct? Yeah, Girls Academy League on Facebook, the Facebook page and the website. I mean, there's all kinds of information that's constantly being updated. I think um, schedules will be up soon. We're just, you know, again, the COVID dance of the ever-changing landscape in different states and just trying to make sure that we're getting our kids back to a, a healthy and safe start and following local protocols and any kind of cross-conference or cross-league play or, you know, it, it just, it changes. So we have, to, we have to make sure that we're doing it right. But that's all, you know, coming down the pike here. Um, that's all in the next week or so. A lot's going to start happening with the league. And again, I'm, I'm excited to get started. Well, we're excited for you, and we're glad that we could get that job for you by coming on the show with us in uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Um, you know, you are the first person to do a live show with us yeah. and then get the soccer chat effect to happen after a live performance. Uh, I need the bump from this thing. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't want something, but I need something so that way I can have the soccer chat bump. And so we were thankful that we were, were able to do that for you at this moment in time. Thank you so much for coming on with us. You're uh, welcome. It, and I bet, uh, you know, uh, Brescia, the Brescia Bears? Bearcats. Bearcats. And it was a bear something. Yeah. Because um, I'm a cow bear. But oh, okay. um, I, distant you know, cousins. I have, to, I have to figure out the compliance and the, the legality of it all. But you're going to be my first invite to be on my college coach's advisory panel. 
for the stop league. it you'll get surveyed and stop it coaches, college coaches are customers we need to know what you guys want you know yeah um, i don't know i don't know if it's going to be down to the types of snacks that you get or you know <laughs> the fact that you're probably going to get you know there will be food for you at some point yeah. in time. but i do think for college coaches um you know there's a lot of things obviously with instat and and virtual recruiting and and being making sure that our kids are um, able to, to have quality video for coaches to at least get a first look at them is going to be really huge. But I also think that uh, once we get to the live events and we want to make sure that not only are they first class, but that college coaches are, because I know what it's like to be on the other side of an mm -hmm. event that's not run in a way that you can be efficient. Um, so any, anything coaches, college coaches have to throw my way. And just the sample size, you, you mentioned it, Nick, and that's why I thought about it was, the fact that um, this is not a league that is geared just to division one coaches is that um, there will be players in our league that the best fit for them could be anywhere. And I do think that if you look, Pressure. At, <coughs> yeah, I do, sorry, about I do that. Think, but I do think if you look at the NWSL now, there's starting to be more and more players that have come from um, unhighlighted programs, you know, right here at the OL rain, Bethany Balser is obviously the, the beacon for that having been the rookie of the year last year and coming from a teeny school in Michigan and, um, there's AI gang. yeah, there's, I'm telling you, there's other players like that out there and we want to make sure that coaches feel welcome at our events and know that, that, that our players are going to be, um, taught that your college journey is your college journey. And there's a lot more things out there than maybe sometimes you're, you're exposed to. So, um, we want to, we want to get everyone's kind of take on what, what suits them and what, what they're looking for and, um, what makes an event worth their while. So uh, I'm, I'm going to reach out to people. I don't know if you could get more incredible. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've just watched my cat drag something in and my dog eat it under my bed. So now we are for sure best friends. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> thankfully, absolutely. This is a, thankfully this is a, you know, a recorded um, voice show. <laughs> not one where you see the People are listening is like, wait, we missed the whole cat dragging in, a, in something. <laughs> I thought I did a good job of hiding it. <laughs> that was like, this would have been like a horror show. <laughs> I got the mic off. The dog screamed that we got it cleaned up. It was, I don't even know what it was. I think it might've been a squirrel to be honest. <laughs> Ooh, some people call that dinner. Um, <laughs> again, you know, Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. It's such an honor to have you here with us. And um, I know that uh, unfortunately convention is going to be virtual this year, but I think I might know some people. Um, and I think I'm going to have my people get a hold of your people. Because uh, I've I've already been asked for ideas for things, so awesome. Uh, maybe getting a, a a shout here uh, in in the next few weeks or months. Yeah. Just give me give me time if car karaoke is involved. Do you want it to be another? Do you want it to happen again? It doesn't have to be. You know, I don't know, Sarah Cooper. I've just kind of been onto this TikTok thing lately, and I've never done a TikTok, but I think she's brilliant. If you give me enough time, you know, there could be some kind of. Leslie does Sean TikTok impersonation. Okay. I can go back and listen to some old soccer chats and, you know, maybe pull, pull an excerpt out of you or something. I could, I could, I, I've been around him enough. I could, I could give you some good ammo. Ooh, that's, that's scary. That's <laughs> anyway, scary. just get the gears turning, but um, I'm happy to come on. And uh, yeah, I, I do think, you know, United Soccer Coaches is one of the organizations. I'm, I'm not on the board anymore. I'm, I'm just finished my past presidency this year, but, I am very, very impressed with the uh, forethought that they've had. They had the convention plan. They were ready. They had a, a drop dead kind of date that they had to um, 
you know, Anaheim, they were in discussions with of when to pull it and when not to and watching what was happening in California and around the country. But they were also extremely proactive in coming up with the, the virtual idea and all the programming and planning they've already done. Same with their coaching education. They've already done a great job of doing some hybrid programming for the summer for coaching ed and making it accessible um, to a large audience. So, you know, I, I'm kudos to them. But if you're going to be involved in the virtual. I mean, live shows, this is going to take on a whole new. I mean, people have had, by then they'll have had almost nine months to practice their Zooming. So, yeah. I know, like, as soon as I saw that the, the they were going virtual, I think it was in, it had to have been five minutes, and somebody tweeted, okay, well, what's going to happen with Soccer Chat and Becky? And I was like, damn it. <laughs> Here we go. And then um, I unfortunately made the text to, to Becky. I think it was two days later. I was like, Becky, people are talking. <laughs> and she and Becky's only response in the text message back was, I just got off the phone. I was like, oh, gosh. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, about pressure. I got big expectations from both of you. Oh. <laughs> we're, you know, we're the 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 ideas are flowing. I just, it's one. Of those, I think like with anything else right now, I don't know how we're gonna pull it off, but we're gonna we're gonna try it. So, um, again, it's so incredible and and so honorable to have you on our show with us, and the fact that you. Uh, publicly tell people that we're your friends is just we're we're, in for, we're forever in debt to you leslie and uh again thank you so much for coming on with us thank you friends Aww. So normally I, I give it like a big spiel about the, the person that we just talked to right after this but why 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 is leslie gallimore like coming on our show you know like that's i mean again she's i'm she's, sure that's a question she she's she's asked herself numerous times <laughs> because yeah i mean honestly like i when there's sometimes when we get to talk to people it's like how in the heck did we get this person on the show you know like how in the heck did this person decide that it, like oh yeah i'm just gonna come and talk to nick and sean like this is this would be a good way to, to spend my Wednesday or whatever night we record this Monday night. And she honestly just, I, I feel so lucky to just be able to know her and be able to be just I, I like able to hear her story and hear her talk about everything. Because I mean, this is a person that was around the college game for an insane amount of years, had a ton of success, has coached literally the best goalkeeper in U S soccer history. Like men or women, I'm saying it. Like I, I think it. She's the most impactful goalie we've ever had, and I mean, again, it's just now she's taking over a league that is going to produce probably the next generation of stud women's national team players. I mean, I don't know. We're just. I, I feel. I'd like go beyond it. I'd go beyond and not talk about the next stud generation of of women's national team players. I think they're just going to create the next generation of uh the the forefront runners um you know because she talked about the the impact of the things that they're trying to the life lessons they're trying to teach through the game uh to get them prepared for life after soccer and things like that like it's so uh long term rather than hey we're gonna, we're we're taking elite players and we're going to get them uh college scholarships like there's such a farther thought process with the newly adapted GA girls academy so happy about that. I wonder. I wonder if uh, if they've heard your rant on that. I don't know. 
I mean, we, we did, we did talk about it when it first came out that, and the, probably we talked about it often. The aforementioned league, which shall not be named, this is going to be the new Voldemort. We always won't, we always <laughs> won't speak the original name. Um, but no, and, and that's the cool thing about Leslie is she's just, she's super chill. And I just think she has a great understanding about the times. And, but you hit it spot on to go back to what you were saying. It's the stuff they were doing with Tiffany Weimer and getting the players and their voices involved. I, I saw like one of our, uh buddies that like will come on soccer chat sometimes matt wolf was tweeting out today about how the ncaa really have they contacted any of the student athlete advisory committees about all the decisions they're making and i would guarantee their answer is no i mean i i i I know players that have been on those things and i i don't think they've been overly communicated with and so what Leslie is doing with having a players advisory committee and having friends of our show that are really interactive and want to empower females to be involved and to help be a part of the decision-making process is just going to be incredible for them going forward because you're going to have voices from all different areas, all different perspectives, all different ages that are going to really help impact the decisions that are being made. And the story of me um, looking for the catalog of Leslie that I had in my end table that had gotten thrown away. So I got kind of hot like the next day after we record that and um, was talking with my wife and I was like, Hey, like, you know, those, those magazines and catalogs that, uh, that got thrown away. And she was like, yeah. And then I told her the story, like, you know, Leslie was on the cover of one of them. It was like the announcing of her as the president and, uh, you know, I had this big plan on now that I know her, I was going to send it to her to have it signed so I could frame it and put it up in my office. And, um, and you'll learn this whenever you tie the knot. I got this just crazy, not crazy look, but I just got this look that I, I that was like, don't say anything about it ever again. Um, but, you know, Casey kind of came back and was like, of all the things that I, I throw, I, you know, I just, I'm throwing away random magazines. And there's the sentimental value to it uh, that now, like, you know, it's gone now. It's thrown away. Um, so uh, hopefully that just means that if I get more magazines with pictures of people on the front of it that I know, uh, we will keep them uh, somewhere, some other location, apparently. But, uh, you know, it, 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 was, um, it, it was so cool talking with her and, and talking to her at length. Um, you know, I've, I've done some, some emailing and, and DMing with her um, since our time in Baltimore together. Um, and, you know, and just again, for some, whatever reason, uh, getting connected with her is, is still beyond, uh, beyond the imagination, um, to where I think it was like a week after convention. Um, I had gotten on Facebook and there was a friend request and I was just like, Leslie Galmore is asking me to be a friend or maybe I, I, or maybe it was like in the people you should know something like that. Um, and I was just like, what in the world? Um, you know, and again, someone of, of that stature, much like um, our friend Randy Waldrum, much like a lot of our friends who, yes, they've got these, these accolades and this, uh, you know, list a mile long of their accomplishments, but yet they are so open uh, to everyone. Uh, and I, that's just, again, we talk about how that speaks volumes about some of the people we've had on. I think it really speaks volumes about Leslie Um, and you know, after kind of from our conversation, you know, I feel like we need to have some type of like wild and out rap battle 
or some type of like disc battle with you and Becky and Leslie against me, Jill Ellis. And I don't know, we probably could find some other person who uh, they would openly uh, uh, banter with and uh, talk trash about. But I feel like that would be a really good uh, contest. Hey, I would, I would thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that contest. But I think we already have the edge because I know that you're not a freestyler. Like you've got to have no, it no, planned out, written really, and memorized. Yeah. I mean, I'm great at memorization. Not great. Yeah, no, I'm not a freestyle rapper at all. I wonder but how, I, what, dude, no, I'm really pumped for our next time at karaoke because I know all the words now to you'll be back and also at least four other Hamilton songs. So you and me and next time we go karaoke, we'll be able to just rip up the floor with Hamilton songs. That that place that we did that or that I did uh, you'll be back in, in in Milwaukee is the only karaoke that I've ever seen that had Hamilton songs. Dude, that guy. All right. The bartender at that bar was top notch. He was phenomenal. Like not only did he have the best karaoke stuff, but he was just, he was just the friendliest dude ever. That was probably one of the best experiences I've had like at a bar in a very, very long time. (laughs) It was a, it was a good time for sure. And, and hopefully, you know, I know with, um, with convention going virtual, um, as we kind of talked about a little bit before, um, you know, I, I kind of wonder about, um, things like the Wisconsin Women's Soccer Advisory Council Symposium. Uh, you know, I wonder about some of these other uh, events that our friends put on, um, you know, how that's going to affect those programs. Um, because obviously, you know, just like within college sports and, and with high school sports and stuff like that, you know, this is really having a massive impact uh, on everybody. And you see these, these organizations like the Wisconsin Women in Soccer, Soccer, Women in Soccer Advisory Council, um, you know, with the, the, the amazing work that they've done just in the last uh, couple of years that we've been uh, partnered up with them, um, you know, you, you would hate to see them not to be able to continue to have that impact. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, I, you know, and I heard today, um, actually, I think you heard this last night, Nick, on our uh, uh, Tuesday nights, we, uh, we have a college coaches Zoom at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And to hear of these these states are being sued by parents and coaches associations because they're saying that people can't play. Um, like that's asinine. That's, that's, that's truly asinine to think about. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to steal, uh, Nick's phrases. We got to hear of, of these coaches associations and and families that are suing the States, uh, because their kids uh, are, you know, the States have kind of mandated against playing because of, safety and regulations, which is supposed to be all of our number one thoughts when it comes to uh, youth sports and in college athletics. Um, be, right? This ain't it, my guy. This, yeah. this is not the look. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really, really crazy to think about. And I think I mentioned to you guys uh, before, I don't think I've said on the show, but like where I live at, like three weeks ago, they canceled ban for the entire state because of, the spit coming out of the horns and so, which I was like social distance, like they, they do perfect formations like six feet away from each other as they, they walk around the field. Um, how's that any different than sweat flying in a football game or a basketball game? Uh, the, the, the spit coming out of a referee's whistle uh, during a game or players spitting on the, the soccer field, you know, what's it, what, how's that any different? And I knew as soon as uh, our state said that, high school sports were back on and, and starting the next day. 
I was just like, man, like those, the band families are going to go, go off and they did and deservingly so. Um, but that's always, uh, another deal for another day. It's, uh, you know, soccer chat. We do it every week for you. We've got some great friends that help us out. Go check out dutigbrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Make sure to let them know your boys from soccer chat sent you whenever you check out, just use the promo code soccer chat and get yourself a sweet discount with your latest purchase from dutigbrand.com. Shout out to Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com, the world's greatest ball pump. We ain't got to tell you no more. You already know. It's the world's greatest ball pump. Check it out, T-O-R-R-X.com, and make sure to leave them a five-star rating on Amazon and let them know that the Soccer Chat guys sent you. Ellis Riley and the mates over at Soccer IQ. Check them out on Twitter at Soccer IQ1, doing big things with their tactical diagrams for you to use with your teams. Uh, make sure to hit them up for some great content that you can uh, quiz your team with. It, it'll get uh, get some good brain quizzing in there uh, with the, the tactical side of the game. You can be a part of the conversation every single Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Just follow the hashtag Soccer Chat for a live Q1A1 interaction with coaches from all around the globe as we discuss the latest topics and trends in soccer coaching and in the beautiful game you can also help us out share the links out every single week like we just said if you loved last week's episode of the the best friends through the coronavirus i've gotten a lot of funny compliments on it uh and yes our group text message are just like that conversation uh except shannon uh who was not on with us uh has great one-liners to add uh to anything that we say um, so, you know, we'll have to do that show again sometime with the entire group. Uh, but you know, if you like that show, make sure to share the link out for it. I know, uh, the week before that we did the recruiting through the coronavirus and got a lot of awesome feedback and response from that. A lot of club and high school coaches, uh, shared those links out. Um, and, and, you know, let people know that it was a, it was a good episode for coaches of high school and, and club and also for the athletes to be listening to as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shot to uh, the the big homie Shay Haddow. Uh, she had me on her show last week. We talked about basically recruiting uh, through the pandemic. We talked about relationships uh, that you build within your teams uh, with the players and coaches and the players themselves. Uh, and a new one to look out for, uh, if you have um, players who are wanting to know more about the recruiting process, uh, a guy I used to coach club with uh, by the name of, of Ben. Ben uh, started this thing called Player Forge, uh, which you can follow on uh, Instagram. I believe it's at Player Forge uh, Recruiting. Uh, but Ben just recently um, started a, a podcast um, for players. Uh, it's Player Forge underscore soccer. Um, you know, he, he's doing this podcast with. Uh, former college athletes, current college athletes, college coaches, um, trying to give uh, athletes every resource that they can uh, to use and help themselves in their recruiting efforts. So I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Ben uh, and tell everybody to go check out Player Forge, F-O-R-G-E underscore soccer on Instagram, where you can get the links to his Spotify and uh, check out his last couple of shows. They've been, they've been pretty good. He just started them. Um, they're pretty solid. Uh, and, uh, I, I think, uh, for players, it's definitely a good listen to, uh, for them to, to try to check out what's going on in the recruiting trends. You know, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always join the conversation. Like we said on Twitter, every single Wednesday night, but Nick, if someone's getting wanting to get a hold of you, maybe, maybe they've got heat with the tweet that you saw, uh, earlier and they want to, they want to talk to you about it. 
uh, how can they do so? At Coach Enrizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Sorry. And as always, you can follow the show at Chat Soccer, no E S O C C R, on all your digital platforms to make sure you're keeping up with the latest and greatest from you boys here at Soccer Chat. I, I feel like the, the phrase of the week is that ain't the look, my guy. That ain't the look. Uh, you know, Soccer cool. Chat, <laughs> the Soccer Chat. It's more than just a podcast. It's more than a Twitter chat. It's a community. It's a family that we've built up over the last three years. And when I say we, it's not Nick and I. It's uh, it's all of us who are a part of this uh, that have come together to, to create this community, this network of coaches who are just out here doing this uh, to help each other and to help make things better for our kids. And the best part about all of it is we get to do it all over again next week. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. We'll see you later, brother.